Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And um, so if anybody's following the podcast or is a regular listener, you probably noticed that we didn't drop an episode last week. The reason for that is that the union was involved in negotiations over this executive order and and more to the point, the company's implementation of the executive order over COVID-19 vaccine requirements. So we did some negotiating um, and we, we want to talk about what the results of those negotiations are. No better person to talk about that with then principal officer of local 1150 Rocco Kalo so Rocco welcome to the show thank you so I think going into this our members were most concerned with um, either getting rid of this mandate right either you know we don't want to get vaccinated and we just want to get rid of the the requirement um, or making sure that they didn't lose their job if they didn't want to get vaccinated so with that in mind, what did what did we do for our members through these negotiations? So first of all, we took a look at the mandate and what was actually in it. And we had to figure out whether or not the company was actually compelled to comply with the vaccine mandate. Um, the executive order in part said that any new contract or any modified contract uh, with the federal government, a federal contractor, had to include the mandatory vaccination provisions. We went into, at first, what's called decision bargaining, right, to bargain over the fact that the company was implementing a mandate. Um, we forced them to show us the contract that was actually modified or the new contract that compelled them, as I said earlier, after about a week, they were able to supply a couple to us, which showed they were, in fact, uh, required to comply with the mandate. From that point, we went into what's called effects bargaining, and I think we have come to an understanding on a lot of different topics surrounding uh, the vaccination mandate. So, bottom line, do our members have to get vaccinated? The executive order requires that they have to, but there are provisions for exemptions for either medical or religious reasons, and we were able to accommodate a lot of our members uh, through those exemptions. So everybody essentially, um, and I guess there's exceptions, right, but everybody is either vaccinated or getting vaccinated or has gotten an exemption. To date, we have about 89% of our membership that has been vaccinated or granted an accommodation. Um, there is still a small percentage that haven't done anything yet, but there's still time for them to be able to do stuff. Yeah, so we're about a month out from the actual deadline of Correct. December 8th. We are. Um, the deadline for December 8th actually was to be fully vaccinated, which means that it has to be two weeks after your last shot. Um, we were able to work with those timelines a little bit in the memorandum of understanding that we've come to. Okay. And, and, and can you talk about details of that or no? Sure. Sure. So, um, again, we wanted to ensure that nobody lost their job over this. Uh, we wanted to respect people's 
opinions or feelings uh, not to get vaccinated. So what we were able to do is keeping the December 8th date, anybody that has at least one shot of the vaccine uh, by December 8th will be able to stay and work, um, provided you know they follow some accommodations such as wearing masks and such uh, as to not to get anybody else sick. Um, and from that point, they have until January 5th to get their second shot um, and continue to work. If there's folks that are adamant that don't want to get the shot and don't want to uh, apply for an exemption, um, there's things that will happen to them. They'll be put on unpaid administrative leave. And we did a couple things here where we tried to make it a little bit easier. So anybody that is put on unpaid administrative leave as of December 8th will receive all of their holiday pay for the uh, Christmas shutdown. So that's inclusive of January 3rd. Um, they can stay on unpaid administrative leave up until uh, December of 2023. Um, and we wanted to get out past the next two contracts being the Connecticut, Florida one and the Alabama one. Um, they will be entitled to all their vacation pay, not only for this year, vacation and personal pay, but in 2023, um, they will also be entitled to vacation pay and personal pay. And based on the fact that our, our pay is calculated on the previous year's earnings, somebody that is out uh, for the entire year won't have any earnings, so the company will revert back to their 2021 earnings to um, get them their vacation pay. From that, uh, again, uh, you know, we asked that uh, people be allowed to take a VSO because we have some of our members that want to retire as opposed to getting the shot. Uh, the company said that they didn't have any funding for it at that time, um, but they will come our next contract. Uh, we've had discussions about that already. And if you take a look at the memorandum of understanding, which we will get posted up so everybody can see it and, and, and read it for themselves, uh, anybody that is going to go out on unpaid leave, um, they can do so. They will continue to gain seniority for a period of one year. Uh, they'll pick up another year of pension credits. And basically, they can stay out until the next contract, at which time we will have a new VSO negotiated, and they could take advantage of that. Also, at any time during uh, this unpaid leave of absence or unpaid administrative leave, as it's being called, uh, the company has agreed not to contest anybody's unemployment, so they'll be able to collect unemployment uh, during this time. And if during the time something changes in, in the employee's philosophy where they decide they want to get the shot, we put provisions in this uh, memorandum of understanding so they can return to work. So a couple of things on my mind. Um, I know that that in talking to a bunch of our members, one of the things that, that folks are concerned about in particular is if they get an exemption, because we, we have a ton of people asking for exemptions. So if they get an exemption and if there's a testing requirement as part of the accommodation that the company offers, um, are they going to have to pay for testing? Okay. So th that's a really good point, and I should, uh, I should talk a little bit to that. 
So as of today, we've had 887 folks uh, request an exemption. The majority of them are being granted. There are four denials currently. Two are just because two of our members decided to withdraw the request for exemption. One was just a duplicate, and one was uh, a medical denial, which, you know, we rely heavily on what the doctors have to say for that. Um, if an exemption is accepted, which most of them are, there has to be an accommodation made after the exception is made. Um, the accommodation could include anything from mask wearing to social distancing to putting up plexiglass to uh, periodic testing. If testing does become one of the uh, accommodations, then the company will pay for it and it will be done on company time. Great. So so let's talk about this um, administrative leave uh portion of of the understanding um so a, a member decides i don't want to get vaccinated i don't want to get a, a an accommodation or an exemption um and and i'm going to go out i'm going to i'm going to go out of work on this administrative leave and then see what happens and a couple months down the road or however far down the road they decide okay i think i'm going to get vaccinated they get vaccinated they want to come back to work how does that work so if that's the case, what they need to do, and it's spelled out in the memorandum of understanding, they need to notify the company and the union of their intent to come back to work and that they're fully vaccinated. Um, at that point, we will try to get them placed back into their old job as soon as possible. Um, if their old job is not available because it's been backfilled, then we will work with the company to get them into a comparable job, a comparable job. Um, that they held prior to going out. Um, but it shouldn't be a long process. Uh, and there might be some administrative stuff that we have to do, but they will be back to work as soon as they want. Okay. So if I'm, if I'm a member who has kind of waited on this, because I know we have a, a portion of our population who has done nothing uh, in, in anticipation of these negotiations, right? They're waiting to see what happens with the negotiations. So it's going to be difficult for some of them to become fully vaccinated by the December 8th deadline. Um, what provisions did we did we uh, get for those folks? So I'm going to back up a little bit. So we wanted to push this out as long as we possibly can, because there is a lot of pending legislation uh, against the executive order itself. Hopefully, all of the legislation will be decided um, prior to December 8th. But what we did is say we said instead of um, being fully vaccinated by December 8th, uh, if you get your first shot by December 8th or even on December 8th, you can remain at work. Um, and again, you would just have to file follow some uh, accommodation guidelines. Again, probably in line with what the CDC says as far as mask wearing and social distancing and things of that nature. What if I decided to, um, at that point, I, I've done nothing, it's December 7th, um, I decide to apply for an accommodation or, sorry, an exception? Mm -hmm. So, again, we address that in, in the, le uh, the memorandum of understanding also. 
anybody whose accommodation is still pending and the company has not taken action or notified that employee by December 8th uh, will remain on the payroll just as they are today until such time as that accommodation is addressed, being either accepted or denied. Okay. Um, and and there's a couple of little tidbits in here, right, for, for folks. Um, uh, were we able to do anything with the, the protocols um, for folks who test positive or get quarantined or anything like that? So, again, uh, we were able to enhance um, that a little bit. So in the case of a fully vaccinated person who has um, a breakthrough case where they test positive, uh, they will be put on paid leave immediately for five days, and then they can collect short-term disability after the five days. Um, the purpose of the five days is because our short-term disability has a five-day waiting period, and we just wanted to make sure that someone who was doing what they were asked, going out and becoming fully vaccinated, you know, didn't lose money uh, because, as I said, they had a breakthrough case. Okay. And what about, um, you know, I know folks have been asking us about um, about paid time off and, and, and things like that. I know they used, to, they used to have paid time off for us, and that's kind of gone by the wayside. Mm -hmm. Anything there? So we had up to 160 hours of EC time, as they called it, before uh, when this first started. Uh, we did try to get some additional EC time. We were not successful uh, in that, but we were successful in the fact that everybody had that 160-hour bank, and whatever wasn't used out of that 160-hour bank, the members still have the ability to use. Okay, and, and as I read through this, um, I'm seeing that um, no points under the attendance system if you're out um, due to a positive test or contact tracing correct so um unlike unlike people who just go out on a doctor's note or for for any other illness who get a fifth of a point a day um if you're out for covid or contact tracing zero points correct that's good um what else what else can we talk about in here um that that we haven't touched on so again there's a, there's a lot in here um you know, and I'm sure we didn't address every single uh, possibility that we could face, but we did put um, a dispute resolution uh, section in here where anything contained in this memorandum of understanding will be subject to the grievance procedure. We also put language in here, again, going back, um, talking about some of the legislation that's pending and the effects it might have on this agreement. So there is language here saying that if the executive order is amended or rescinded um, or changed in any way, shape, or form, um, that we go back to the bargaining table with the company and, and, and address those changes or the elimination. Great. So they can't just make wholesale changes to this Correct. without consulting us. Um, I see here there's a hold harmless clause. Mm -hmm. So, again... Um, we don't want uh, any of our members negatively impacted um, due to um, the failure to comply with what the company has put out. We have a lot of members that are out of work right now. Um, 
that don't even realize that this is going on. Uh, we're trying to reach out to them. The company is supposed to be putting a mailer together, um, but that has not happened as of this date. But this home har the hold harmless clause um, takes care of those people who might not know what's happening right now. Okay. And um, we're still getting the two hours of paid time off for the day you get vaccinated, including boosters under this memorandum of understanding, right? right. Um, and the um, a, a, an, an additional, what is it? It's um, two hours of paid time for each shot, including boosters, six hours of no points, no pay for the remainder of that day, and then up to... 16 hours of no pay, no points. Uh, I'm sorry, eight hours of no pay, no points for the following day in case there are symptoms. Great. Um, let me be the first to say good job. Uh, I mean, I think under the circumstances uh, when, you're, when you're essentially negotiating with the federal government, um, I, I, think, I think the difficulty can't be overstated. Uh, in in a situation like this, yeah, th th this was really difficult um, because we had nowhere to turn. Right, um, we're in what's called effects bargaining, and at any point in time, you know, the company could throw a, a last, best, and final offer on the table, and we really don't have a recourse. We didn't have a recourse to strike here, um, which is basically what gives all of unions their power you know at the bargaining table this was a, a pretty bad hand we got dealt but i think we did the best that we could with what we were dealt and i have to say i i, I mean you know i hear firsthand the the complaints and the pats on the back and and all that stuff i, I think generally speaking the majority of our membership is going to be pretty pleased with this i i think it does something for everybody um and um but but listen let me say, as I always say on this podcast, if you have opinions about this, let's keep them off the shop floor. Come here to our home, right? The local 1150 home. Come to a membership meeting. The membership meetings are held on the third Wednesday of every month at Union Hall at 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. Come to the Union Hall. Please express your opinions. We'll listen to you all day long if you want to give us your opinion. Good, bad, or indifferent, um, but bring them here. Right, bring yeah, them to the yeah. union hall. That's that's an excellent point, and yeah. you know we have been doing what we can to try and encourage participation uh, at our membership meetings. We're bringing food trucks here. You know, we're trying to be very flexible about doing in-person meetings, also Zoom. Um, we had a great turnout um, last last membership meeting, which was the third Wednesday of October. Uh, unfortunately, it was for the wrong reason, but I think it was a very informative reason. Uh, um, meeting, you know, we got to hear a lot of opinions and thoughts from our members, which is what this is all supposed to be about. So, absolutely. Okay, Rocco, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. We appreciate all the hard work you put into this. I know that it was it was over, uh, you know, at least a two week period that you were in and out of negotiations on this, and um, and I, for one, on behalf of of the membership, want to thank you for that effort. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. All right. All right, so, Vinny, what's uh, this week's contest? What Supreme Court decision in what? 
set the precedent for vaccine mandates. Okay, so the Supreme Court case that set the precedent for vaccine mandates. What's the case and when what, did it happen? What year? Okay, that's the question. So as usual, send your answers to comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. We'll take all the correct answers. We'll put them in a hat. We'll pick one winner out and you'll win some fabulous local 1150 prizes. Um, that's about it, right, Vinny? Yes, it is. Okay. So, um, thanks for joining us as usual. I hope that we provided enough information about this, uh, vaccine mandate and the stuff that the union was able to negotiate on your behalf. Um, if not, come on down to a union meeting and, um, and ask the questions that you have remaining. Again, that's third Wednesday of every month right here at local 1150's Union Hall at 150 Garfield Avenue in Stratford, Connecticut. Um, come to a meeting, have some good food, and um, and let's hear what you have to say. Uh, with that being said, again, thank you very much for everybody joining us today, for downloading, for listening. Don't forget to follow the podcast. Go to Podbean and follow us. Um, and uh, until next time, we'll see you.